Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Gone is all his money and his wealth. Gone are all his possessions, like his house and the purple linens that he wore daily. Gone is his comfortable life, like that of the meals that he feasted upon sumptuously every single day. Having died and was buried, the rich man is now in Hades. He is in hell. And void of any comfort, he's in torment. He's in anguish. He longs for a single drop of cool water to be placed upon his tongue so that he may have the slightest bit of reprieve from the flames that surrounded him. Yet there would be none. Having died and was buried, the former rich man now has to endure the pains of hell for all eternity. O redeemed in the gospel for this morning, Jesus reveals to us the truth that there's not only a heaven that is a place of eternal life and eternal comfort, but there's also a hell, a place of eternal death, a place of eternal torment and anguish. Hell is real. While it's not a fun topic to discuss, we can't avoid this truth A truth that's revealed to us through the pages of Holy Scripture. Outside of our text this morning, hell is described as an outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a lake of fire and brimstone where there's torment day and night forever and ever. Hell is a place where the worm never dies. And the fire is never quenched. Ultimately, hell is a place of eternal torment and punishment under God's wrath for sin. So why did this rich man end up in hell? Well, it's important to understand that hell isn't only reserved for those who are outwardly wicked and evil, like that of a Joseph Stalin or Adolf Hitler. There's nothing in our text this morning that indicates that this man was outwardly wicked, like one of these former men. It's also important to understand that hell isn't reserved for people who are rich. Well, think of Abraham, who we hear about in our Old Testament in the Gospel for this day. Abraham's rich, and he's not in hell, but he's in heaven. Like the formerly poor man Lazarus is laying right there next to him. So, and heaven isn't reserved for people who are poor. There are plenty of poor people who are in hell. So why is this rich man the torment of hell? While the rich man had many things in his life, he rejected the one thing that's needful, that brings sinners to repentance and faith in the promised Savior. He rejected the Word of God. Consider this conversation between Abraham and the rich man. 
Then I beg you, Father Abraham, to send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Well, with these words, the man is saying, the Bible isn't good enough. God's word will work. Even while suffering the pains of hell, this former rich man is rejecting the word of God. The one thing needful that brings sinners to repentance and faith in Jesus. And in rejecting the pages of Holy Scriptures, he's also rejecting Jesus. He's rejecting the one through whom we're giving life in heaven and saved from eternal hell. Ultimately, this man didn't trust in the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who's revealed to us in the pages of Holy Scripture. Instead, he trusted in the false gods of the world. He trusted in his money. He trusted in his possessions. He trusted in all those things that he achieved for himself, including a good name and his reputation. So who is your God? Well, the large catechism under the first commandment does a nice job in giving us a definition for what a God is. Luther writes, a God means that from which we are to expect all good, in which we are to take refuge in all distress. So to have a God is nothing other than trusting and believing him with the heart. I've often said that the confidence and faith of the heart alone make both God and an idol. If your faith and trust is right, then your God is also true. On the other hand, if your trust is false and wrong, then you do not have the true God. For these two belong together, faith in God. Now I say that whatever you set your heart on and put your trust in is truly your God. So again, who is your God? And who or what do you fear, love, and trust in? I think when things are going well, we're able to enjoy the fruits of our labor. It's really easy to confess that Jesus is our Lord. It's easy to confess that Jesus is the most important thing in our lives. Yet what happens when the things that we've worked so hard for are threatened? What happens when we come face to face with real loss, with real suffering, with real death? Well, if we're honest with ourselves, and we should be, we by nature want to cling tighter to those things. Our money, our possessions, to all those things that we've worked so hard for because we're fearful of losing them. Fellow redeemed, God would have you 
Examine your heart this day. What causes you the most anxiety? And whom or what have you sought help and comfort? What are those things that you can't live without? What are your priorities? What do you spend the most time on? Again, whatever you set your heart on, that is your God. O redeemed God would have you repent this day for the false gods that our sinful hearts so easily make. He would have you repent for the times you haven't feared Him, loved Him, trusted in Him above all things. He would have you Repent and pray that he would keep you in the one true faith, lest you lose the one thing that's so needful for eternal life. And that is Jesus and his life-giving word. Consider the rich man again. He never repents of his sins. Not even in hell. Even in anguish and torment, he doesn't see his sin, nor does he have any sorrow over his sin. And in the torments of hell, there's no hope for him. Abraham reveals, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. This rich man must endure hell for all eternity. However, this is not necessarily the case for his brothers. There's still hope for them. And you can imagine these men were probably just as wealthy. They trusted in the false gods of the world. Their money, possessions, good reputation. And yet they still have the one thing needful, the one thing that brings about repentance and faith in the promised Savior from sin. They have Moses and the prophets. That is, they have the pages of Holy Scripture. They have the Word of God that certainly accuses them of their sin. But they also have that which declares to them forgiveness and eternal life through the promised Savior, Jesus Christ. And so it is with you this day. You have the one thing needful. Now while our our lives uh, closely resemble that of the rich man, we're not without Moses and the prophets. Furthermore, we're not without the apostles. Through the Old Testament and the New Testament, you have the full revelation of the one who came to confront sin and its wages of eternal death. You have the full revelation of the one who won the victory over sin and death and the devil through his crucifixion and resurrection from the dead. You have the Old and New Testament, which sets before you the certainty of the forgiveness of sins and life and salvation through the person and work of Jesus. Consider what Jesus has done for you. 
as God in human flesh and blood, he came to earth from his throne on high. And though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor. So that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Jesus set aside his divine rights, his divine wealth, in order to serve you, in order to save you from hell. On the cross, he willingly endured your punishment for sin. On the cross, he endured hell itself for you. And through his death on the cross, he has in fact won the victory over sin and death and the devil for you. And he proved it by rising from the dead three days later. And risen from the dead, Jesus comes to you today and says to you, come to me as you struggle with your idolatry, as you struggle with the things of this world that bring about anxiety, as you struggle with the things that you can't live without, Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And the rest that Jesus gives to you is the rest of the forgiveness of sins and everything that comes with it. Forgiveness, life, salvation. Fellow redeemed, more than any earthly possession, you have the one thing that's needful, and that is the Word of God. For it's here where you're given Christ. You're given Christ who has redeemed you a lost and condemned person. And he's redeemed you not with gold or silver. He's redeemed you with his holy and precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. And he's redeemed you so that you may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness and innocence and blessedness. Forever and ever. Amen. Peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.